This is the Game Level Learn podcast. Join us as we discuss games, gaming, and gamification in the context of teaching and learning. We discuss games new and old and unpack how those games might be used out of the box as a tool for game-based learning, while also discussing how the mechanics of games can be repurposed for entirely different learning objectives. If you're a teacher or a student, parent, administrator, game designer, game publisher, writer, or just someone interested in cutting-edge education, Game Level Learn is for you. This is Season 2, Episode 3 of the Game Level Learn Podcast. I am your co-host, John Cassie, and as always, I am joined by... Tracy Wozenegger. Hello, Tracy. Hello, John. All is well, I hope. All is well. Busy and well. Busy and well, yes. It is uh, uh, It is July. It is hot here in the West, and I presume it is hot there in the East. Yes. 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 Now, today's game is Cult Express. Cult Express. Okay. The only game that I can think of off the top of my head that has little extra pieces that are that you put up alongside the board to like give yourself a little bit of local color. Right. Like Which someone someone I think on a comment on your Facebook referred to them as like flavor text. Flavor text, exactly. Flavor text for a game that right. are like they're like actually like scenery pieces. Yeah. Right. Right. Which you, I thought you, was a great description of them. Exactly. You, 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 so you, <laughs> you, you set the board up, and you're going to talk about the board in a minute. You set yes. the board up, and you set up these little flavor texts. And if you, if you had a sort of a, the proper background, a piece of background art or something, it would look like the board had showed up in the middle of a, uh, you know, Roadrunner and Coyote cartoon. Yeah. Right. Um, Tracy, you suggested at the beginning of this season that Colt Express be one of the games that we talk about, and I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on why. Um, having played it, all I can say is that this game is ridiculously entertaining. Ridiculously entertaining. Right. And you know, and good looking and fun. Right. Yeah. Right. Remember we talked about Seven Wonders a few weeks ago. And we talked about how, how sort of, you know, nearly perfect it is, right? Yes. Seven Wonders is one of those games where as soon as oh, I, I finished Seven playing Wonders it. I won Seven Wonders recently, by the way. Did what? Remember I sent you the text, I won Seven Wonders. Right, you did, 70 points. Handily, yeah. Woo! Boom. <laughs> and, you know, what's interesting <laughs> is that you sort of disproved one of, one of my points, which was you normally need to specialize, Nope, and I did the opposite. Right. You were I hit every single category. Right. And you had a little bit of this and a little bit of that and you know, I think you only had maybe 10 or 11 points of science, which I thought was shockingly low for a 70 point score. Yeah. Yeah. Bravo. You um you cleaned you cleaned the room. There wasn't anyone within 12 13 points of you. That's correct. That's a big win. Okay, enough bragging. You rule, Tracy. <laughs> Back to Cold Express. Um, that's right. Um, so, uh, Seven Wonders finished that game, immediately wanted to replay and did. Colt Express the same, finished that game and said, this is so crazy entertaining. I had to go and play another game of it immediately. Right, I have to play it, I have to play it right now. A second yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Tracy, why don't you take us a little bit through why it's so compelling, this game, why you wanted it on your list, and then, of course... Like we do with every episode, 
uh, after we do sort of a conversation about the gameplay. We'll look at it as a piece of game-based learning, and then we'll look at its mechanics and see what we might do from the point of view of gamified instruction. So, Tracy, over to you. Okay, so Colt Express is... Um, a, a game that you play as a bandit who is robbing a train. So the game board is not really a board. They're three-dimensional pieces, and each um, piece is a section of the train. So there's the engine at the front and the caboose at the back and some cars in the middle of the train. And each piece is separate, so you can connect the pieces all together. You can make the trains different lengths and things like that. And each train piece has a lower level and an upper level. Um, Everyone gets a little um, meeple to represent their bandit. And you get a a deck of bullet cards because, like all good bandits, we have guns that we can use to shoot each other with. Um, um, And you get a deck of um, action cards that you use on your turn. Um, So your actions are things like moving up or down. So if you're on the bottom level of the train, you can move to the top of the train um, or vice versa. Moving left to right. So if I'm standing on the top of the train, I can move forward in the train or backwards in the train. Um, If I'm on the bottom, I can do the same thing. Um, You can shoot um, another player Um, which has consequences for that player then. Um, You can loot, which is my favorite action, always looting. (laughs) Looting, always. Um, So there are little um, treasures sprinkled around the train, um, gems and money bags and briefcases that are worth different monetary values. And then at the end of the game, whoever has the most money has won. Um... You can um, move the little, I'm going to call him a sheriff, but he's not the sheriff. He's called the marshal. The marshal. You can move the little train marshal around on the train and, you know, him being in the same car as the bandit has consequences for the bandits as well. So that's that's the basic idea of, of how people move around and get things done on the train. Each round... Um, Someone um, starts the round and you have a little card that tells you um, how many actions you get to take in that round. So, for example, let's let's just pretend, for example, this round we get three actions. Um, so the first player, whoever is showing this card with the three actions, they play their first action. They play a card from their hand that they've drawn. Um, they place it down in a pile. Then the next player plays an action card and then so on around the table. So you do that three times for each of the actions um, displayed on the card. Well, then each meeple does its action in order. So maybe my meeple moved from the top of the train to the bottom and then John's meeple moved forward on the train and then Jeff's meeple shot somebody. Well, Jeff wanted to shoot Tracy's meeple, but Tracy moved to the bottom of the train, so she's not there anymore to be shot, so Jeff shoots John instead. Because I'm up there, because I'm... Because I moved there thinking that you would be up there because I wanted to shoot you. 
or right. I wanted to punch you and take the gem that you just got. Right. Right. But you weren't there. Instead, I was there and right. Jeff shot me, which wasn't even his plan. Right. But, hey, I decided I was going to shoot, shoot someone. somebody. Right. Yeah. Yep. Or and then, someone moved the marshal into my car and that moved me out of the position. Right. And a lot of the actions are played face up so you would know what people are doing. Um, but you're playing with, you know, five other people. You're playing six people around this train and it's moving pretty fast. Um, so it's a lot to remember. You know, you're trying to remember what your meeple is doing. Um, and you also have to try to keep track of other people's meeples. And um, occasionally there's mechanisms within the game where you'd play cards face down so right. you don't know what actions other people are taking. Right. But but the truth is, at least in my experience, that it's so hard to keep track of even what you're doing right. turn to turn that trying to keep track of what all of your opponents are doing at the same time is bewilderingly difficult. Right. Especially right. if people are doing actions that are going to influence other players' meeples. Right, because right. that inevitably... A lot of us on the top, and you're going to push someone. Is it me? Is it John? Is it Jeff? Who am I pushing? Right. Right? Um, or who am I shooting that's up there? It's hard to know. It's hard to predict sometimes what other people are going to do. Right. There, were, there was one sequence of card plays in the, the game that I played last week where my intention was to be in the second car, the one right after the the locomotive, right. and to get a strong box that had been dropped. The strong box has the most uh, cash in it, right? Right. Not only did I never make it to the second, to the bottom floor of that car, but the the action card that we played had a special movement trigger at the end which basically said, if you're on the top, you you end your turn by putting your meeple on the caboose. Right. So I'm like, what just happened? Every single card that I played in that turn failed to trigger. Because of something someone else did. Because of something someone else did. And then yeah. the worst possible thing is I'm now four cars further away from my goal. Right. I mean, the fact that the game remained fun when that can happen yeah. is is a testament <laughs> to how fun the game is, right? You know, uh, because you you so regularly find that what you wanted to do is undone by someone else's either kind of genius anticipation, right, or through their own derpy, dumb, right mistake right. because they didn't think through successfully what they were what doing was, yeah exactly right and even if you're stuck not doing something i the last game i played we played with an expansion with the horses and stagecoaches right so you have like an extra whole piece to the side which is a stagecoach and you need a special action to move back and forth between the two and my entire deck was made of bullets because um, my friend Bill thinks it's funny to shoot me all the time. Um, <laughs> so I just had all of these. So basically when you have bullet cards in your deck, when I draw like five cards or however many, six, however many cards I'm supposed to draw, I would get like two actions and four bullets. So the bullets are just 
junk in my deck now at this point. So I just hung out on the stagecoach for essentially the second half of the game. But it was still entertaining because you get to see what other people are doing. And one of the other players um, was brilliant. I mean, he there was like a four-move sequence for him to get uh, you call them strong boxes. Like we call them briefcases. Oh yeah. It's same uh, thing to snatch up a briefcase. And he made it boom, boom, right onto the stagecoach, picked up the briefcase right back onto the train. He's in and out. Yep. Boom, there, boom, boom. Perfectly masterminded. Right. There are people Perfectly whose done. brains are wired in that kind of way. Right. And I, I mean, I enjoy playing this kind of game for its own sake. I don't really care whether I come first, last, or indifferent, right? But I'd love to know what what is the what is the thing in my head that isn't there? See, now that doesn't make any sense. No, it does because what it is. So what I was going to say is one of the greatest things about Cold Express, I think, right out of the box as a game based learning. Yes, is it's a great model for programming, logical thinking, right? Any of these like process right. pathways that right. have multiple steps. Uh, it's, it's beautiful for that. It's a great model for that kind of thinking. Right. I mean, that, 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 that's exactly what this, I mean, the game is essentially you're putting together an algorithm. Right. Right. And you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I just want to make sure that people listening are clear if they haven't played Cult Express. When, when each player plays his or her card, you're playing it onto one deck that's being built. You're not playing it in front of you in a tableau or what have you. You're building it to a main deck that's going to get flipped over, and all of those actions are going to be done sequence, one, one, one after another. Um, and and not only do you have to be mindful of your own sort of programming decisions, you do have to be mindful of, of other people's. Right. Uh, because otherwise you're... Because the other people's programs create bugs in your program. Exactly, exactly. Right. Um, the, um, the age on this game is listed as 10 and up. I'm thinking that that's maybe a little conservative. I think so. I think you could also probably adapt it for younger kids. Right. Just to give them fewer actions you know, you to manage fewer actions. I mean, you could even make it a game with real little kids and say, you know, using all these cards, what actions do you have to do to get your meeple from here to the locomotive and downstairs? Yeah. Right. And the kids could lay the cards out in order and that could be like its own little game. How do you get from point A to point B? Right. Yeah, for you, little kids, right? You give different um, you give different combinations of cards, right? Right. You pull out the shooting actions, right? Right, because you know you don't want that in a you no. know if you're using this game for six year olds, right? Right. Um, and you put in diff- maybe different kinds of movement cards, right? Right. Um, and see if they can you know, if they can kind of think that through. I've spent a lot of time this year thinking about teaching programming skills to very, very young students. Yeah. And having played this, I mean, the whole time I'm playing it, I'm thinking, oh, I could totally use this in a middle school classroom right out of the box. And I would know those students 
after just a single play, those students who are really good at systemic logical thinking and those who maybe are good at intuitive thinking or storytelling or whatever, but are not good at that kind of step, 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 step. Right. Um, you know, kind of, kind of approach to learning. Um, I, I, I mean, there is a, there is a sort of concrete quality to, to the thinking that it, that the game is looking for. Yes. Right. But also this ability to intuit how all these pieces fit together. Can you see what the algorithm is doing? Right. Right. And oftentimes you hear programmers, particularly quite gifted ones, describe their experience of programming in that kind of way. Right. That they're able they're able to see how code is going to express itself in some kind of uh, uh, you, you know, uh, in some kind of an environment, um, which is not something I can do. Right? I mean, I I hear people talk like that, and I'm like, that's totally interesting. Yeah, but I I don't know what that. I can I can see people play Colt Express like that. <laughs> it, yeah, for sure. I mean, I can see you know the 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 guy that does these sort of artful moves. I can see, and I've seen it in other games he's played and other things he does. That that's how his brain is working. Yeah, yeah. You know, he can he can see everyone's algorithm. I think. Right. Um, you you sort of would like, or one of the things I would like. This would just make the game harder for me, but nevertheless, um, make the train longer. Give more actions. Okay. Um, yeah. Make it more complicated. Yeah. Make it more complicated. Right. Um, and then and then sort of see what, you know, see what transpires by making it more complicated. Um, having said that, I, I, th- I think I think it's virtually perfect as it is. You it know, is quite fun. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like, you know, it won the 2015 Spiel des Jahres, the sort of the uh, the, the the Oscars of game design and. When I heard people describe this game, I was like, this doesn't sound like it should have won anything. But then in play, it's like, oh, obviously. Now I see. Now yeah. I totally get it. Yeah. Um, so you think pretty great out of the box. Pretty great out of the box. Uh, I I would almost use it in a kind of formative assessment kind of way. Like before okay. I've even done my first unit on this kind of thinking – Play the game. And then let me watch you play. Okay. The student who really struggles maybe is going to not be so great at overcoming a problem in a lab experience they're doing. Maybe they're going to struggle with the logic of writing a paper. Right. Right. So some people need... It sounds like the sort of thing that people should just naturally know how to do, but putting things into a logical sequence is not something that just happens. Right. Right. Um, And the more complicated the sequence, the harder it is to do. Yeah, it's definitely Uh, a skill. Yeah. Um, So that's something to think about. Now, when when you take it out of the out of the out of the box and into a kind of gamified method, right, what's 
What's going on there, do you think? I think there's there's some interesting possibilities. Um, I think the... Um, you know, you mentioned it before. I think we were talking about card drafting. But there's some, um, there's some possibilities with student choice in there, right? Because if your goal is to... On, on the train get $1,500, let's say. There's multiple pathways to do that. Yes. Within the train, right? You can go all the way forward and grab a briefcase. You can pick up um, a couple of money bags here and there, and both players can still get to the $1,500. Um, so I think there's, there's, um, there's some interesting things to think about about using that those actions sort of as a way for students to navigate through their learning. Yes. Um, with different pathways or different ways to achieve a goal by giving kids maybe um, decks of cards or, or something similar to a deck of cards that gives them um, options on some sort of map or something where they're still meeting all of their um, learning goals, the enduring understandings, um, things like that, but they can take different pathways that they want to, to learn. Um, I also was just sort of thinking about Cold Express today. Um, and before we started recording, we were talking about, you mentioned which character was your favorite. And I mentioned which characters I had played. So, um, we, I didn't talk about this when I explained the game, but there's different characters and they each have a color and a name and they each have a special power. Um, so um, one of them that I've played before, um, that, that special power is during the first action, you can always play a card face down. So your first action is always a secret from the other players. Yep. Um, and um, so that's a special power. It gives you an advantage. And I was just thinking about Cold Express and I was I thought to myself, it sort of popped into my head I wonder what some of my students would say their special power is. Mm. And I just thought, wouldn't it be fun um, and this isn't really gamification, I guess this is just sort of knowing your students, but wouldn't it be fun to have kids create their own character card totally. for your class and to tell you what their special power is in your class? Right. So like, what's my special chemistry power? You know, like I'm really good at this in chemistry. I'm really good at this in history. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Know, and we, how does that help me? Right. We could we could probably and probably should spend an episode this season looking at that very concept that you talked about. Look at games that have that kind of uh, uh, narrative character based avatar based. Uh, uh, a, 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 you know, sort of approach to how am right. I going to play this game, right? Right. Um, I have recently been playing Tokaido, which is a That's game. That's the one where I go on vacation. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You're you're walking along the <laughs> Japanese royal road. It's right. Got this sort of ridiculously lovely art. Yeah, it's beautiful. Right? Um, and you know, different characters do different things. They have different powers, etc. Uh, yeah, if, if you if you asked a student, think about the kind of work we're going to do in this class, and then give me your special your special power, your bonus, uh, you know, the bonus that you always have, right? 
right? <clears throat> you can spend it once a day, but you always have it because you're, you're yeah. always good at that thing, right? I don't think students are often asked that question. I don't think so either. And I don't, I think it would be a way to help them feel empowered. Totally. Um, to recognize their strengths and maybe utilize their strengths more often. Um, and I think even at some point during the year, you could consider identifying a special power for each kid that they might not be aware that they have. Exactly. Imagine. Right, yeah. It, 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 imagine when you, when you as the teacher perhaps decide to level up a student. Right. You know, you take away their character card and you give them yours. Yeah. Right. It keeps their power, but it adds a new one that, right. that you've, that you've added, you know, that you've added in, um, that they can then use to, uh, you know, to bypass certain kinds of assignments because you're really good at that. Right. Right. I don't need to measure that again. You're already good at it. You've already right. won that. Right. Or, uh, you know, you know, or, or what have you. Right. Totally interesting. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think about using it to understand like social systems Okay. okay. Tell me because, more about because, that. Because uh, you know, a, a, a train is essentially, or the way that they've designed the train is essentially a social system with people interacting, you know, with with each other. So you can imagine uh, that if you put it, say, in a, you, you know, you put the game in a school rather than in a train, and the when what you're trying to get is status, likes something like that uh the bullets are you know dislikes social problems challenges things like that right that interfere with your ability right you want to have a conversation with the cute girl (laughs) but she's moved on she's hanging out in the uh in the stadium and instead you're hanging out with uh you know with this kid you don't like Right. And that's just your dumb luck that you, you weren't savvy enough. Right. Uh, I think uh, I think a reskin of the game that worked like that would be an interesting way to look at kind of social dynamics. Like a black mirror kind of way to look at social. Yeah. Dynamics. <laughs> you say that like it's a bad thing, Tracy. <laughs> I love Black Mirror. God, that's such uh, a good show. It'll mess you up though, real fast. Even the <laughs> even the sort of weakest entries, yeah, mess are you up. Traumatizing. So, what would you what would you want kids to learn from playing that reskinned high playing school Playing it version? that way. Yeah. What well, would I, you want them to learn? I, like, what I, would you want the takeaway message to be? Well, I mean, think about how how sort of artificial, phony, if you will. The yeah. the sort of social the way that these social dynamics kind of work, yeah, right. That they're they're based sometimes on, on 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 things that have nothing to do with you. So stop thinking it's about you, right? Right. Stop thinking you're some sort of you know that 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 you're in some way, you know, you you uniquely suffering. Everyone is, right, right. Or thinking about that you're in some way uniquely special. Because you're you're just you're you're just like everyone else, right? Right. And it might be that you could ask students 
in a you know in an advisory context or maybe in a in a psychology class design this game so that it would play according to the social rules of your school right right don't talk to your neighbor design your game and bring it to class and then we'll see what's what yeah right i think that could be interesting could be interesting yeah yeah and you know it's certainly possible it's certainly possible to do because you know the um the way that the game uh you know the way that the game functions i think would really be pretty responsive to to that kind of reskinning yes yeah i mean at least i think so yeah um you played one expansion I've played Horses and Stagecoach. Okay. I don't know what that's called, but that's, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's apparently a whole bunch of them, but I, I haven't played any of them yet. I think there's two and one's being released soon. Cool. Another one, I think. Yeah. Cool. Um, so another successful game, we think. Yes. Yeah. Go out and play it. Buy it now. Go out and play it. Yes. Play it. Play it early. Play it often. And you're putting the info about where people can buy these games, right? Totally. Yeah, they're like on the, the show notes. Websites and yep. yeah, yep, they're on the show notes. Um, okay, Two so uh, as we come uh, as we come to the end here, a reminder that you can find us on Facebook at Game Level Learn, at www.gamelevellearn.com, on Twitter at Game Level Learn. Uh, I am John Cassie, John Cassie at Gmail, uh, or you know JohnCassie.com. Tracy, how do people get GL. in touch with you? TL Wozenegger at gmail.com or Tracy Wozenegger on Facebook. Folks. And those are, those are in the show notes as well. So you don't have to be able to spell Wozenegger. Correct. Because that's a game in a, of itself. <laughs> <laughs> I let's play spelling German surnames. Yay. Yay! It's the best <laughs> game ever. Uh, All right, folks, uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks uh, for a conversation about uh, one of the one of the great uh, classics of the modern gaming era, Dominion. Thanks so much, folks. Until next time. (laughs) You ready? Yes. (laughs) I haven't even started and you're laughing. Because you're like, are you ready? Okay. You ready? <laughs> Just be normal. I'm trying to be. This okay. is, this, you know that's a struggle for me. Yeah. Um, for, both. for both of us. Correct.